0: the drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen.
1: But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday?
0: Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're talking to everyday creatives, who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen.
1: I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and work-at-home mom who would love to devote more time to creative writing and journaling.
0: And I'm Abigail Krebs, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm living my creative life nights and weekends after I get home from my full-time job at an ad agency.
1: And you're listening to the Chasing Creative podcast. Amber Thomas is an adventurer and homebody, a surprising misfit and devoted hopeful, a cocktail of color and grace, born and raised in a small town laying happily under the Californian sun. Amber describes herself as more contradiction than constant, always seeking the sacred space where life can bloom. When life fell apart, her art brought together the many jagged pieces in a beautiful array. Though she says her story is flawed, messy, and all the brands of imperfect, art affords her the amazing opportunity to accentuate the greatness that is life. So welcome to Chasing Creative Amber. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Abby and I are so excited to talk to you because we've both been following you for kind of a long time. You're like one of our, (laughs) like the bloggers that we feel like we know, even though we don't actually know you. So this is fun. (laughs) So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your life so far and how you got here?
2: Well, um, I think mostly it's all just by grace um, and by accident. And I'm sure it's some kind of divine accident, but it just feels like a lot of accidents in a row um, that sort of dropped me off on this doorstep of a creative life. Uh, But mostly I just have always been a drawer and a writer and... um, then I went to college and realized I needed to actually have, like, a real job, that drawing and writing probably <laughs> wasn't going to make me very much money, um, and by the advice of my dad, who was very a very successful businessman, I realized um, an education was probably important, and so I um, dropped out of my studio art program and switched over into a communications program, which probably wasn't any more practical at the end of the day. Um, but I enjoyed myself and I learned a lot and got a job um, working for the university and um, after about a year and a half hated it and so quit and then didn't have a job and graduated in the middle of a recession. And I was sure that I didn't – I was never going to get a job and I was never – I thought I'd work at a bakery or Starbucks Um When I ended up moving back home and working for my parents' construction company, um, where I am still working. And I love it, but it didn't bring any part of my creative life out of me. Um, So, right after I got married, my husband was tired of listening to me talk his ear off, and he suggested kindly to start a blog. (laughs) Um, So, Mr. Thomas and me was born, and I've been writing there since. 2011, and loving that. Um, and then about a year ago, um, again, I was driving Jason nuts trying to paint every surface in our house, and so he asked me if I would please channel that somewhere else. So I launched <laughs> an Etsy shop, and um, husbands make us do crazy things. I guess I launched an I launched my Etsy shop, and um, now here we are. <laughs> bunch of overwhelming accidents.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, that doesn't sound too different from a lot of the creative people that I know. I know I, in high school, thought I wanted to to study art or photography or something and then like talked myself, I'm a very practical person, into a more Mm -hmm. practical degree. Um, But then, you know, you like you said, you get that big fancy job that you think you've been preparing for for so many years and it just kind of sucks the life out of you because especially when you're an entry-level employee, you don't get any say and you don't get to like interject your own thoughts really into a lot of things you just kind of have to do what you were hired to do so yeah finding a blog for you um I did the same thing I was working a job I didn't really care for and started a blog as a creative outlet and it's been wonderful and it's allowed me to meet like all sorts of really great people like you Amber and <laughs> Ashley and it's just it's a lot of fun it's a great place to like you said channel that extra energy that you just didn't know what to
2: do with hmm yeah well and you don't You don't realize that you're sort of lonely in Mm -hmm. your creative pursuit. Um, I don't have any real life artists or blogging friends. Um, Just like in my hometown, none of my friends grew up and did that. And so I guess I always felt odd that Mm -hmm. I was so into this this writing and painting thing because I think they're crafts that are respected but aren't necessarily modern Mm -hmm. um, or viewed Mm -hmm. as relevant today. And so... Being able to blog and sort of find a community um, then helps me later feel comfortable enough to paint and find a customer base at the same you know online because mm-hmm. I'm not selling my stuff in a storefront or writing in the local newspaper mm-hmm. and I don't really have any desire to do that because I'm comfortable online.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the thing that makes blogging so attractive to so many creatives is that it's this online community where you feel like you've really sort of found your people because there's a lot of us who don't have that in our real life in-person relationships. And so your blog has a pretty strong community around it. Like you said, you've been blogging for several years now, which has definitely contributed to that. You've had all these people coming to your blog now that you feel like you know them, but, um, your blog doesn't really fit into one narrow category. You write about a lot of different things. So like books, writing your faith, life, your marriage, all sorts of things. And, the sort of general advice people hear right now is you have to have a narrow blog topic. You have to have a niche or you'll never be able to be successful and grow that community because nobody's going to care about all the things you care about. So you just have to pick one. So what would you say about that advice? Like how did you grow your blog and create that community when you talk about such a wide range of things?
2: Yeah, this is something I've always, so I've tried to like put myself in a corner or in a box like that so many times, and it just burns me out because I'm not really good at talking about any one thing for any long season. Um, so I, I try, what I try to do is um, put together an editorial calendar that has a little bit of everything on it. So every month, even if you only like one thing I talk about, you're going to get a post from me every month that you can appreciate, or if you're wanting a post every other day from me that is about the same thing, I'm not going to be your type of blog. Like, it's just not going to work out that way. Um, that helps keep me well-rounded, um, just to know, like, okay, what's coming up next? Okay, I want to write about books. You know, I have my books post coming up about this time um, mid-month. There's always a coffee date, so I know I'm preparing for my next coffee date, um, and that helps me a stay on track a little bit because I could not blog at all if and then blog like four times in one day if I'm not <laughs> careful. Um but then I also realized that um it helps sort of keep my community around because they know what to expect from me and when to expect it. Um and i I think that's the problem with with desiring for a niche is you're not actually. It's not necessarily about giving a reader the same content, but giving them what they expect from you. And so if you're, if they're expecting from you all book posts, then, then you've cornered yourself a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've just never Mm -hmm. allowed myself that. Um, is it good? I, I don't know. It just, it works for me and it, blogging is my hobby. I make $0 doing it. Um, so it's only going to be what I love to do, I guess. If I decided to monetize the several times I've tried to monetize, it doesn't work out. And it's probably because I can't stick in one category or with one kind of content. I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) I think that's really important to just kind of recognize that this is what works for you. And this is what you feel good doing. Because like you said, blogging is a hobby. There is no reason on earth to stress out about it and freak out about it if It's a hobby and you're supposed to be enjoying it. There's no reason to put all that pressure Mm -hmm. on yourself. And I'm glad you've kind of like allowed yourself to just be like, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, I just, it's, I love my full-time job. I love the men I work with. I love what I do. I love the flexibility that my schedule has in my professional workplace. So this stuff is all just like added creative fun in my, my margins of my days and, and that's really all I want it to be, which I think is probably another like cardinal sin. I think we're supposed to all want like to do this full time and work for ourselves. I just can't, I can't handle that pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah. That sort of reminds me of, we had a really interesting conversation with my cousin actually a couple of weeks ago, her episode will be out a little bit before this one comes out. Um, But she was saying the same thing where she had done like her creative work as a job and she was like, nah, I kind of want to go back and just have a normal nine to five. Mm -hmm. So my creative work can be fun again. And so that my blog can be whatever I want it to be because for her previously and for me right now, our blogs are tied directly to our livelihood. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have that freedom where I can just write about whatever I want to write about. Um, because it, there's just this whole other stress and pressure on it when it's tied to money and so if you have the margin and you have the space for that to just be a hobby where you don't have to worry about that I think that's really awesome and I like how you still have it structured too like you sort of know like these are the things I like to talk about and so let's get a variety of those in there every month on your editorial calendar like I think that's a really balanced way to approach it
2: Yeah. Well, and I, my creativity is like that spastic, like frenetic sort of (laughs) energy where like it is all over the board. And so I have to be really intentional with my time and know, okay, what I'm sitting down to do right now is this. And I, I just started batching in the last like month. Thanks to Ashley. Yes. (laughs) Yes,
1: It is such
2: a game changer. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But the thing is, I thought maybe I would, like, incorporate it and it would make me feel too structured or, like, too tied down, but it's just made me really good at everything I sit down to do because I'm doing all one thing at one time Mm -hmm. instead of sort of, like, here and here and here and here and, and then over there, like, because I do, I get super distracted I paint a globe and then I like look in the other direction and I, then I'm doing watercolor and then I'm writing a blog post and nothing gets done. Yes. (laughs) So I've batched everything and now I get everything done.
1: Yeah. I'm sure batching doesn't work for everybody, but if you have trouble like feeling like you're making progress on like any one area, it is such a huge deal. Like when I started batching, I was like, look at all the time I have to do these things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you don't realize how many – you can be doing, like, several different projects of the same type, and they all, like, line up so well with each other. And mm-hmm. my brain doesn't necessarily volunteer to line the things up ahead of time.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, my brain doesn't volunteer to do a lot after I get home from an 8, 9, 10-hour <laughs> workday. <laughs>
2: <So. laughs> See, and my job is not stressful. I can say that. I am, like, I – love the job I have while I'm at work, but I don't often have to bring anything home. And that is, like, fantastic for me. I don't know if I could bring things home from work, you know, whatever, emotional baggage or just stress Mm -hmm. or, like, big (laughs) deadlines. I don't know if I could bring them home and then have, you know, shop deadlines and blog deadlines. But because work is so good at staying at work, I can come home and feel like I have some pressure, So maybe that's why I like it, too. Gives me a little bit of structure to my evenings.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I know I need to get better at batching tasks as well. I always feel so accomplished if, like, on a Saturday morning, I take photos for four or five blog posts all at once. You're like, yes, I'm rocking it. And then you get busy, and you're like, oh, I have to do this thing at the last minute. And then everything is the last minute over a couple of weeks. And then you feel like, like you said, you're just not getting anything done. You're racing around in a circle doing a thousand things, but only like one thing gets crossed off your list. So
2: mm-hmm. I hate last minute. Yes. It makes me yeah. like panic.
1: <laughs> yes. I think that is probably true for all of us here, which is why the beauty of batching and having an editorial calendar, even if you're going to say, like even if you're going to write about whatever you feel like writing about, like just having that structure in place, that loose outline sometimes can just keep you from feeling so overwhelmed and so panicked. Um, so you've talked a little bit about um, like how you come up with what you're going to write about on your blog and how you don't feel the need to put yourself in a corner like so many bloggers do these days. But another thing I really am excited to talk with you about is Uh, How do you draw the line between how much you share of your life publicly and how much you decide to keep private and not write about on the blog? Because you go into some really, really personal stuff on your blog, particularly your dad's struggle with dementia over the last few years. And so how did you decide which boundaries to put in place with what you were going to share online and what you were going to keep private?
2: I guess this is something I've been really lucky with because my husband is super mellow, and so he really doesn't care what I write about. Um, he also does not read my blog, which is great, except that I write him marriage letters once a month, and I'm like, hey, got a letter this morning. And I, like, <laughs> email him, like, forward him the blog post to make sure he still doesn't read them. But that has afforded me a lot of freedom because obviously then he's not worried about what I'm writing or, you know, and, and, um, so yeah, that's something that has been a really big um, balancing act for me. Um, one of my big rules is that I can tell my story, but I'm not allowed to tell anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really kind of easy to do when I am the only one in my family who, um, really blogs consistently although my mom used to have a blog that she blogged on, which was super cool. I was um, going to ask
0: you if yeah, she was still blogging. I haven't seen her she around.
2: Has, I know. she. So in the last like year of my dad mm-hmm. dying, we really um, sort of pulled ourselves back into a very sacred, quiet space, and she especially did. Mm-hmm. So she kind of walked away from her blog a little bit, but recently has kind of talked about it, and I'm hoping she comes mm-hmm. back um, because – She is precious, and um, being a widow has taught her a lot about herself and, you know, life, and I think those are really important lessons, Mm -hmm. Um, even for young marrieds who are not Mm -hmm. looking at being a widow anytime soon. Um, So, yeah, I just, I really try to remind myself that I'm allowed to talk about myself and my feelings, but not at the expense of anyone else. Um, Was that hard when my dad was dying, and there were really hard things we were seeing, and and he was losing his dignity and we didn't, you know, we didn't know how to navigate those things. Yes. Um, but at the same time I would often write posts like a month behind real time. Um, Mm -hmm. just because I am really, would be really invested in what I was writing and there was a lot of emotion there. Um, and sometimes my immediate reaction wasn't my reaction a month later or wasn't my feelings a month later. I mean, sometimes I could clean things up really beautifully Um, and I would say, so I usually would write about him like once or twice a month. I probably would write like four or five posts and only post two. Um, so there is, there is some censorship there. Do I completely consciously know what it is? No. Um, but I guess I always, my goal was always for it to one, create community, create an ability to identify in some way or another. And then, um, to to shed light on some you know on something. Um, I don't know. I'd never experienced dementia in any way, shape, or form prior to my dad's diagnosis. Um, I'd never been in a memory care facility prior to moving my dad into one. I didn't know that they even existed. To be totally honest, and so I do. I do feel like it's sort of my job to shed light on what it looks like to have a family member die of this. Um, and I wanted people to know that there's people dying of dementia that are not 95 years old mm-hmm. you know my dad mm-hmm. was 60 63 when he passed so and 56 when he was diagnosed um, so he was healthy and handsome and you had would have had no clue um so I think those are I, I just always want the balance to be respect for the private um, but education for the public I guess um, and I, I just, I don't ever want anything to be more expensive for the private than it is for the public. Does that that didn't make sense? I don't ever want the the private (laughs) expense to be greater than the public good. There we go. That makes sense.
1: Yes, and that's such a wise (laughs) approach to have. I think where you've got that balance and where I like how you said that you write things almost a month after they happened because that does give you a chance to like the first draft that you write of that post I imagine is probably full of a lot of emotions and things and then when you go back and read it again that gives you a chance to really really carefully consider okay is this something I'm okay with putting out there is this really what I want to say and really run it through that filter to make sure that it's it really is the best thing to be posting like I just think that you've got such a like, yeah, it is. It's just such a wise approach to how to share things because you're right. You are doing a public good by educating people about things that they otherwise might not have any experience with. Like I didn't have, like you said, any experience with anybody dying of dementia who wasn't already very elderly. Like, I think your family was the first time I'd heard of that. And that's an important thing to be sharing with people.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And, and I realize that everyone's going to experience death at some point, And I got lucky in that I had never been to a funeral before I turned 24. Um, and then it was my husband's grandma who was the sweetest lady, but who was old. I did. I mean, mm-hmm. natural course of life. Um, so going to my dad's, you know, being there when my dad died and then going to my dad's funeral was really the first um, big experience I had with death, the first time I'd really lost someone. Um, and I think that that's sort of typical. I think we lose grandparents here and yeah. there, um, but this is the age where people start to to lose parents or you know close relatives to bizarre illnesses. And being able to give words to that grief and to those feelings um, I think is really important. And I think it's something we don't necessarily feel comfortable doing. So I'm just weirdly deciding that it's my place. <laughs>
0: well, it's wonderful too when your your giftedness you can recognize that that giftedness kind of aligns with doing something for other people. Uh, you know, you've been able to to write you've been gifted with that ability and you're being able to use it in a way that other people can, can learn from and connect with. And like you said, creating community is so important so that people don't know they're the only people out there dealing with this or they're the only people feeling sad about milestones or moments in their life. I think it's really um, wonderful when everyone can kind of come together and, and say, you know, this is sad, I feel it too, thank you for writing this.
2: And it was healing Mm -hmm. for me, Um, you know, because Mm -hmm. Jason can only watch me be a hot mess of tears so many times (laughs) before he's like, what do I do with you? Like, are you losing your mind too? Like, he didn't, he didn't know what to do. And I don't even know, you know, like you said, taking a month out, like, I didn't even know how I felt sometimes. We would leave my dad's care facility and I would just cry the whole way home and then he'd be like so what's upsetting you? I'd be like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) it doesn't, it's not eloquent for so long before it is eloquent. Um, So it was, it was a good outlet for me um, and a nice way to get to talk about things, you know, because as much as I could talk to my mom about these things, she was losing her husband at the same Mm -hmm. time. And so there were layers on layers on layers of um, emotion and, you know, helping and supporting and, and falling apart that were happening, and, and so I was like, hey, internet, you're gonna help out here, and, (laughs) and thankfully everyone did, I, there was so much kindness, um, and I guess I just never thought about the fact that I could have had someone respond negatively to me, like, I just, that was never in my head, um, why, I, I don't know, because I've seen the ugly Mm -hmm. side of the internet, um, but I was not met with it. And that was really, that's its own sort of wonderful, I guess, in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing grace for that time period of your life. Yeah. Oh. Um, so speaking of time periods of life, our creative processes are always kind of tied up in whatever season of life we're expecting at the moment. Um, and whether that is grief or loss or joy or, you know, I'm kind of in a middle season right now. Um you know, every, every single season that we're going through, it affects our creativity and our output and the way that we connect to other people. So for you, how has this grief and this loss really affected your creativity? Has it changed it? Has it you know made it into something else? Has it made it more reticent or more free-flowing?
2: Um, well, the reason I opened Amber Thomas Makes My Shop was because of my dad's death or my mm-hmm. dad's dying. Um, I actually opened it on Father's Day as sort of like a tribute to him and myself um, because I realized life was way, way too short for me to not do things because there was like this little tiny list of cons in my head. Um, and so I, I just was like, hey, I'll just go for it. He just went for it. And so I'll, I'll just go for it, too. Um So it definitely, you know, losing him was definitely a big um, educational experience for me. I've learned a lot about grace. Um, Never at any point in the dying did he ever say or express or make it known that he wished he had done anything differently. Um, And I don't think he would ever have said, I wish I was harder on myself or that I worked harder doing this or that. Um, So it's brought a lot of grace into my process um, a lot of grace for, for how things happen. Um, and, and I've learned so quickly to embrace whatever season we're in, um, because sometimes they're long and they drag forever and you feel like you're in the middle of this. We always called it the pause. You're in this giant pause and when is the play button going to be hit again? And, I always would just be like, okay, God, are we, like, at the point where the little screensaver is, like, bouncing all over the screen and you're never going to wake the computer up again? Like, that was how it felt for a long time. Um, Creativity is really hard to grow when you're in the middle. Or at least for me, it was really hard to grow um, when you're in the middle because you just... The frustration abounds. Um, But I can say with grief and with loss... And coming out on the other side, I have a greater appreciation for a lot of things. Um, but I have been stifled a little bit because I'm now learning what sadness does to art. Um, you know, and like Van Gogh, like I think of all those famous artists who are depressed.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I don't know how they continue to make stuff. Um, because in the few weeks after my dad died, I was like, I don't know if I can reopen the shop. I don't know if I really want to blog again I don't like maybe I just want to go in a completely different direction um I think that was just like sadness and trying to sort of like wash everything Mm -hmm. off of me um because now I feel much more engaged and excited about work and art again or my blog and art again um but I think you have to learn to lean in to what you know all over again um And it's hard to remember that life is still, like, going on. You know, my dad died at 6 o'clock in the morning. My mom and I drove home in rush hour, like, in traffic. And it was mind-blowing to think, like, we were just waiting for the coroner's office, like, and they're all just headed to work Mm -hmm. right now. Like, Mm -hmm. those things are so bizarre. And we got caught. It was actually, it was a Sunday, so we got caught in some church traffic. And it was, like, these people are all going to, like, worship right now. And we just like, lost something, um, but I think that that's also what helps you continue on, and what has helped keep the yeah. blog and the shop, like, going, okay, mm-hmm. like, life goes on, you have to, like, you're gonna need to let this all out at some point, and I didn't know how long it would take me to write about my dad's death, and it took me less than a week, um, I didn't know if I'd ever write about it again, and I do, so, I think it's easy to set out like this formula for yourself um, and that's not Mm -hmm. grace. So then grace comes in and says like, Hey, Mm
0: -hmm. be kind.
2: But at the same time, I think,
0: you know, like you said earlier, having a coffee date post in the middle of the month is just kind of that, that touchstone for you. You just know it's supposed to happen. And so it does. And I think Mm -hmm. that's that wonderful, you know, new normal that's kind of, helps you pull out of that middle season or that, that, uh, that season of loss or that season where you feel like you're stuck. You just, you know, you go to work at eight, you come home at five, you make dinner and you go to bed and you just keep doing that. And that kind of brings you back into what life looks like today.
2: Yeah. I, I hate this word. Cause I like, I have two, there's two big buzzwords <laughs> that just drive me insane. One is hustle. I, Mm -hmm. The hustle makes me so chaotic, but the other is like the grind, like, oh, just hit the grind again. I really hate that because I think like life is so much more Mm -hmm. than any grind, but there are seasons of like, of grinding. That was that season for me. And I think the middle is a season like that where you're like, okay, I'm, I got to keep the wheel turning. And so I'm just Mm going to grind and it's uncomfortable and it's drudgery and Yet, there's this, like, beautiful muscle that you're sort of, like, creating in that. And you need that muscle. Like, you're going to need that eventually. And I think that's when, like, you step over the threshold. Be it someone passing away. Be it a cure. Be it a home. Like, just that play button all of a sudden comes back in. And, like, you have to hit the ground running. So you can't, you can't allow yourself to completely come to a dead stop as much as you want to in the worst of ways. Or at least I can't.
1: (laughs) I like the idea that sort of having that routine or like that touchstone. I like that. That's what you called it, Abby, um, of blogging certain things at certain times of the month or just doing your art was sort of something to go back to to keep you going and to sort of get you in the routine of the grind again even though like I also hate both of those words grind and hustle. <laughs> They're terrible. Do we only like
0: grind when it has to do with coffee maybe? Yes. Yeah,
1: probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah. I just feel like hustle is so much about I I just always get this image in my head of people like clawing their way Mm -hmm. up to the top of something. And I don't really look at creativity as something that you reach the top of. It just doesn't feel that way to me. So I don't know what I'm with you Those two words are not my favorite things either, but, um, I like things like routine and just like the thought that you've had such a habit of creating this art and that that's not something that's, going to necessarily go away entirely, even though it feels like your whole world is falling apart, like that's still something that can be there for you and that can sort of drag you back to normal life, even if life is never really gonna feel normal mm-hmm. as you knew it ever again. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the beautiful things about art.
2: Well and as much as I was like, oh maybe I don't want to do this anymore, like all all my art is still in the house. Like, okay, so you don't want to do it anymore, but what are you going to do with everything you already have? And, and so then you wake (laughs) up every single morning and you see those reminders and, and you realize like, I can't get over it. Like, so I just have to get through it. And so let's do it. Like, just get started. And it might really hurt for a while, but you just, you have to start somewhere. And I stopped running when I was in college. This is what I always mean. I stopped running my freshman year of college and gained, like, 20 pounds, and I came home and I was, like, a bigger woman than I'd ever been, and I realized I didn't like that, so I had to learn to run again, and the first, like, two months were the most terrible running experience ever, and I love to run, so that was, like, so odd to me, but then, you know, then, like, some of the weight came off, and, like, running got easier, and I didn't hurt to breathe and you know all those things and and I guess that's how I felt after my dad died like okay I have to you just have to start again like and it might take two months for it to get normal or to feel like there's a flow and like I can breathe and there's a rhythm and thankfully it didn't because that's a long time but Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but that was what I had to set my mind to Mm
0: mm-hmm I like that idea of starting again. And I think a lot of times as creatives, we just expect like every creative experience we have to be glorious and wonderful and that like mountaintop, you know, epiphany and we don't ever give ourselves permission to make bad art Mm -hmm. or to do, to have, you know, quote unquote, bad creativity. Like sometimes you just need to get started. You need to put words on paper or, you know, paint on paper or canvas and just do something to get unstuck. And it's going to suck. And maybe you don't share it with the world, but you did it. And now you can kind of, like you said, move through and keep going and do better.
2: Yeah. No, my big thing is I would make something and then I'm tell myself I'm allowed to throw it away as soon as I'm done. Like, I don't even have to keep this. It doesn't even have mm-hmm. to go beyond, like, this five-minute time that I just dedicated to it. And and so there were, like, a lot of things that got torn out and thrown away or torn up and thrown away because I didn't even want Jason to lay eyes on them. <laughs> but it helped, like, sort of prime the pump and get things moving again mm-hmm. and, even if I was only going a mile an hour, I was going. And so then I can use that momentum and and gather something else. And this is might blow your mind because everyone's saying the opposite of this right now. But Instagram was the biggest inspiration for me at that time because I could scroll through and see things that I loved. And I would screenshot them and be like, okay, tonight I'm gonna try and do something like that. And like nine mm-hmm. out of ten times I didn't like it and didn't turn out anything like what I was trying to copy but it was just a nice exercise Mm -hmm. I don't know if Instagram will ever get me through another time or if anyone else will ever say Instagram got me going again but but it was really useful in that way and in that circumstance Mm
1: mm-hmm yeah. I'm relatively new to Instagram. I just started using it in like November, December or something. And I'm like, I'm mostly a lurker. I don't post very often, <laughs> but I do like it because I don't like, because I never started and maybe it's just because I'm new to it. So I don't have like all of that, like drag down pressure that you get after you've been on social media for a while. But for me, it really just sort of feels like the best side of social media and so even though it's not something like I say that I'm not good at it because I'm not very good at styling and editing photos and stuff I still like spending time there and seeing what other people are doing because it's just sometimes so good to see like oh hey there's somebody else on a Sunday afternoon who just sat down and took time to write in their journal and they're probably never going to show that to anybody but like I'm so glad they took time to do that and just getting to see that it's a place to share those like those small things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will, you know, I guess third, the Instagram argument. Is that a, is that a word? (laughs) Is that a thing? Uh, Yes, it is. I just, like you said, it's the best part of the internet right now. And, and regardless of how you feel about algorithms and all that kind of thing, like, Oh my Yet, I have yet (sighs) to like stumble upon a post where someone is just being like a negative Nancy And I think that's why I gravitate to that platform is it seems like most of the people that I've, and maybe this is just like the way that I've cultivated my circle, but it seems like everyone, even if they have a bad day, they in some way, shape or form can kind of, you know, turn it around into a life lesson for themselves and or their followers. Or I think what I really like about it and what we've talked about with several people on the podcast so far is the... I guess the impetus to find that one beautiful moment, even in a bad day, just to find something to focus on that's pretty and uplifting and wonderful, and whether it is you know, the iced coffee that you went out at lunch to grab just to get some sunshine, or whether it's you know, your children drawing in a coloring book or something. I just love that Instagram is kind of helping people focus on the beautiful of life instead of all of the negative.
2: Yeah, well, and I think this can go back to that conversation about niche again is like mm-hmm. you can curate your feed until you're blue in the face. And for some people that works fantastically. I have desperately wanted to curate my feed for both my blog and my shop. I cannot do it. I just cannot. Mm. I <laughs> that is not my style. It's never going to be my style. It's it just drives me crazy because the it's not for me it's not authentic my life is not curated mm-hmm. my art is not curated it is a little bit of a bunch of happy accidents and so i want my my instagram to reflect all of that and so when i look through my followers or through what who i follow so often i realize the ones that i unfollow the quickest are the beautiful curated feeds mm-hmm. because They do bring a side of me out where I want to be like that. And I appreciate that so much. I just can't do it. I don't have that eye. My brain does not work that way. And, and I, like, like I said, I appreciate it, but I get jealous of it or I get frustrated by it. Because why is that not my skill? Why do I like to paint? And why can't I curate a great collection of photos instead? (laughs) you know so i mm-hmm. i can't follow those things that's a dangerous messy trap for me and it's not good for my creativity that's not what's going to bring me out of a messy day it's those joy finding moments um mm-hmm. those purposefully beauty seeking posts that i want to be a part of
1: yeah that is really smart to know what drags you down personally because that's going to be something that's different for everybody Um, like for me, I've had to follow because I am in the creative entrepreneur space online. Like that's just how I make my money. So I've had to unfollow some people who are too much about the hustle Mm -hmm. or about like, there's just so much of that on social media right now where it seems like everybody's pitching you something and everybody's like shouting about their business and how to improve your business. And I'm like, you know like my business is doing pretty good as it is. Like, I just don't feel the need to be part of all that noise and to follow all that noise. And so that's a lot of what I personally have had to unfollow. And then I love looking at the beautiful curated feeds because I'm like, Hey, I can't do that. And I'm never going to be able to do that. And I just like looking at it anyway. (laughs) So it's just good knowing like what for you personally is not going to work. Like, what do you personally have to step back from in the online space so that you can make, more joy in your life, basically yeah. and I think it goes back to to being intentional, like what do you
0: want your life to look like, and I think you have to make your online life fit that, so like mm-hmm. for you, Ashley, you know you want to be happy doing a job that you love and making enough to support your family, so you mm-hmm. follow things that get you closer to that point you don 't have to you know chase after every course about making a six-figure income or whatever crazy thing. I hate those so much. What is it about six (laughs) figures that people seem to think will like make their lives perfect? I don't understand. I have no idea.
2: (laughs) I think that's the thing that's like the part of the internet that drives me crazy is the idea that everyone that logs on to any kind of like online Mm -hmm. community is aching to be the next Elizabeth Gilbert, say. And I think there are people who want that, and then I think there's, like, the majority of us who are like, hey, this is just kind of, like, fun, and I like other people who do it, and so I'm doing it. And, like, we can't all be Elizabeth Gilbert, or she's not (laughs) special anymore. And Mm -hmm. there's no formula. Like, Mm -hmm. anyone that's really tasted that success would tell you it's just a lot of hard work and being yourself yeah. and and some no happy course accidents. is going to teach you. Yes. <laughs> a lot of happy
0: accidents. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's hard. I guess it's hard to just pay attention to everything and not internalize it. So I love that you've just drawn those boundaries for yourself, Amber, especially when, you know, you have your emotional energy going to so many different things, you know, work in the shop and, you know, dealing with your, your dad's dementia and his passing and all of those things. I find that I get emotionally burnt out long before I get physically burnt out. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. And it's just, it's so important to just take that step back and recognize what you're putting in and that maybe not all of it is healthy.
2: Yeah, well, and I'm a woman of extremes, so, like, I have online friends who are amazing and will be like, I'm just going to turn off the notifications on my phone and see, Mm -hmm. like, I will either be all in or all out. Like, I will either have all the apps on my phone or I will not. I will either have, like, usernames or I will not. Like, I can't do part way. I just, I can't, like, and I can't temper myself to, like, oh, I'll just look at Instagram, like, one time at 5 o'clock in the evening, make my posts, and, like, get down, be done with it until, like, 5 o'clock tomorrow. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have that ability, and so I have to be really, really intentional. And I always try and tell myself, like, I am not using the internet right if I leave it feeling, like, angry with myself. I should be using the internet to inspire myself. I should be using the internet to feel... I'm growing or like I'm you know taking I guess like a plant like I'm taking in these nutrients with which I will be able to grow but the moment that I feel like the black gloomy cloud come over I know that I'm not doing something right and then that's when it's time to like full-blown step away because I'm either going to be on it or off it but there's no in between
1: mm-hmm switching gears a little bit because that was like a fantastic conversation about social media and that's like one of the best talks about social media we've had
0: I think I kind of just wanted to shout amen like halfway through there but I didn't know if that was podcast appropriate
1: <laughs> hey, it's your podcast you can decide what's appropriate right. who
2: makes the rules <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about your Etsy shop a little bit more because that is um, your newest creative endeavor. And I love the things that you make. So what you do is you hand paint um, globes and journals mostly for your Etsy shop. And so Mm -hmm. you have just these like really beautiful globes. And I'm curious about how you got started with that. Like what is behind the globes?
2: (laughs) Okay. So that's all my mom's fault um my mom is very <laughs> pinterest savvy and somebody pinned a globe that had been painted i think it was on like anthropology's pinterest mm-hmm. boards so they probably sell them and so my mom saw it and like screenshotted it on her iphone cuz she's fancy and sent it to me and said i think you can do this and so then i was like oh okay and kind of, like, let it drop. And then we um, we live in a big antiquing town. There's a huge, like, antique scene here. And so we were at this antique shop, and there was this globe. My mom's like, you should buy it. You should paint it. And I was like, okay, like, what? You know, 30 bucks. Like, what can I... <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? Like, I mess it up. So I brought it home, and I painted it, and that's on our mantle. Um, on the fireplace we don't use. And I just with like, I stare at it still all the time. And so then I randomly decided I would open my Etsy shop and it was disconnected from the globe at first. I didn't think about the globe at all. And then, um, somebody said like, that's really cool. You should think about selling one like a friend. And I was like, okay. So then I tried it and then it like exploded into a lot more than I expected. So now I'm doing a lot of I was originally doing, like, smaller globes. Now I'm doing, like, full-size 12-inch traditional classroom globes. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm painting them, a lot of them for weddings. People are having their wedding guests sign them. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to go back and get married again. Cool. Because that would have been so cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's an awesome idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I got married before Pinterest. Right? <laughs> me too. I got married before Pinterest, and I feel a little gypped, Internet. Why yes. were you not there for me? <laughs> Another project that you have recently started, and we didn't have this in our our notes for the show because you hadn't started it yet, but the confetti community on Instagram. Uh, yes. Can you tell us about that and how it got started and what your kind of goals are or what your purpose is?
2: So... I am a part of a whole bunch of Facebook groups, um, just like small business, you know, mm-hmm. online Facebook groups. And there was, like, a while there where there was a lot of conversation about how dreary Instagram is and how there's, like, no good, authentic online community for women to sort of, like, celebrate their wins. And, well, for people, but I just always assume mm-hmm. women because it seems so woman-dominated. Um And so I was talking to Rachel Dawson, um, one of my online friends and I was telling her like, she has a real heart for community. And I was telling her, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I just really think we could do something where we can just celebrate everybody's wins, like big or small, just let's, let's think about it. And she was like, okay. And so then we, you know, over a series of emails decided to start a hashtag But then it just didn't seem like that was, like, the best way to handle things. So then we're like, oh, let's just try and start a username and see what happens. And so Confetti Community was born, and essentially it's just a place um, to really celebrate the daily joys, um, the daily we call them wins um, that we have because it is so easy to feel like in Instagram we're not doing enough or we need to do more or sort of that like humble brag that hashtag humble brag that's so painful (laughs) and so let us brag for you let us brag on you kind of thing um so we just yeah started it love it a lot of the little like popper emojis
0: yes the confetti emojis (laughs) yes I'm the worst at using emojis. I primarily use my internet on like a computer computer. And so emojis, they don't have a keyboard for that yet, or at least I haven't found one yet. So if anyone knows one, like send it to me. Um, so I don't use emojis and then I get on my phone and I'm like, oh, I can emoji. I don't remember how. So I am behind the times as usual. Um, so I, I love the idea of confetti community and I started following along and I can't wait to see how it grows and how you guys can kind of cultivate that passion and that joy. And like you said, celebrating each other, because what is the internet good for if we're not going to be joyous about each other's triumphs?
2: Yeah, well, and I think I know Rachel and, and even me like have been in a little bit of like uh, a hustle lately. Like we kind of fell behind in life and we're trying to like <laughs> get ourselves back like with our heads just a little bit above water, not even like full-blown swim yet. And so I, I think that it's been a really good reminder to both of us that, you can just, like, do a little bit each day. It doesn't have to be this, like, Olympic-style attempt to save yourself um, or to bring yourself, like, back to the game, like the starting line again because I think we've probably fallen far beyond that now. Um, and getting to see, like, how other women sort of embrace or celebrate themselves is super cool, too, because I would – always default to confetti and champagne and like one girl hikes all the time. Kudos to her. Cause that is not how I choose to sell. I celebrate (laughs) the hike. I celebrate being done.
1: Yeah. (laughs) On one of your other recent projects, um, sort of combined your writing and your painting, which I think is so cool because how often do you have a chance to do something like that? Um, so last fall you contributed your writing to an anthology called it begins here. And then you also painted this really gorgeous cover art for it. So could you tell us a little bit about how that was to be able to bring together your two creative pursuits into one project?
2: Yes. It begins here was another really happy accident. Um, I ended up, it was through NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month, um, mm-hmm. through the Twitter hashtag, mm-hmm. I ended up meeting two women writers who, um, just randomly decided to, like, take me this, like, giant newbie under their their wing, um, and one of them got involved with a big group of women, um, I didn't know that there was a big group or that all of them had been published but me, or I probably would have said no. So she got me involved with them and they invited me to write. Um, And I was like, okay, yeah, like that's fine. But then I started my shop. So I wrote for It Begins Here and I started my shop and that was all great. They invited me to um, create the cover art for the first novel. So it's actually going to be a set of two. It begins here, and then we are actually currently editing it ends here. Um, And so it will pick up sort of where the initial story left off. Um, I get the chance to do the cover art again, which I'm super, super excited about um, because they want them to be like a matching set. Um, So it's it's fun, and it was really nerve-wracking to make art that I knew seven other women were going to critique and have opinions on um but they were all so so supportive which is wonderful (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah sometimes it's hard to send those things out to you know the wolves so to say when you're expecting that criticism back
2: yeah it's easier to just put something on the internet and like know it's just like out where everyone can see it Mm -hmm. than to like send it know it's tailored for a certain group of people and you want their approval so badly
1: Yeah, it's like the difference between publishing a post on your own blog and submitting a post to somebody else's blog or a magazine when you're like, oh, I need your approval, please. (laughs) You feel like you're like
2: eight again, and you just, you're the new kid at school, and you just want one person to like you. Yeah,
1: basically. Oh, that's so awesome, though, that that all just sort of came together and through a hashtag, too. Like, that's, like, what are the chances that all that awesomeness would come from NaNoWriMo? Although yes, NaNoWriMo I... is pretty awesome, so I shouldn't be that surprised.
2: Uh, yeah, I didn't realize all the things that, like, how interconnected things are. And, like, just a hashtag can be such an open door to a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. When hashtags were invented, I just thought they were, like, weird little pound signs.
1: Oh, my gosh. I hated Twitter for the longest time. Like, Twitter's my favorite social media now, but I hated Twitter for years. And I was talking to one of my professors because she had just started a Twitter account for our literary magazine at our school. And I was like, what's even a hashtag? I don't understand. And my, like, grown-up adult professor was, like, explaining to a 20-year-old, like, this is how you use a hashtag. Like, you need to get with it. This is the future. That
0: goes against, like, everyone who says you can tell someone's age by whether or not they call it a hashtag or a pound sign. Yeah, it goes completely uh-huh. against that. So. so, yeah, that
1: was <laughs> – I'm a, I'm a technology laggard. It's okay. I'm not afraid to admit it, but <laughs>
2: – <laughs> yeah. My favorite is my mom will, like, text me and be like, so, question, like, whatever, question mark, and I'm like, oh, God. Mom, this is too long for text. I'll have to call you tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like when people start text messages like older people start with like hi Ashley comma like how are you doing and I'm like it's not it's not an email just like say what you're gonna say you just jump right in (laughs) like
0: yeah the equivalent of your grandmother signing her Facebook comment
1: to love grandma yes oh
2: my gosh
1: it's so cute but it's like no grandma no
0: (laughs) it's not how the internet works honey yeah Well, I mean, talking about things that just kind of come together organically in such a wonderful way, you know, you recently wrote in your blog that the last few weeks have been full of new opportunities and a drive to be further engaged with other creatives. And it's really made creativity into a community rather than a silent realm of your life. So a lot of people feel alone when they're creating. And how has looking at creativity as a community changed your art, Amber?
2: I think this is going to go back to social media again. I guess I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of social media. Um, I think that we look at creativity as as the blog post we wrote or as um, the painting we painted or, like, the picture we took. But we don't realize that in choosing to upload them, we are inviting people to participate in our craft with us. Even if it's just... You know, I'm not a photographer by any means. So even if it's just me going and appreciating, like, wow, look at these pictures that Abigail took. And being able to say, like, I really love these. Like, these are really beautiful. And opening sort of up this conversation or this mm-hmm. this space um, to spur each other on, right? Because me coming and saying, like, wow, these are really great pictures, That makes you, should, make you want to go take more (laughs) pictures, right? Like, so the ability to to encourage each other onward. Even, you know, I realized, like, some of my posts about my dad would be so personal that people couldn't necessarily engage critically with them like they could a book review. Mm -hmm. But them coming and saying, like, wow, this really was emotional for me, too, was enough of a pat on the back to write again about it. And yeah, that blog post isn't going to be my most commented blog post or even my most engaged with blog post. Um, But it is is important in its own way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. I know a lot of the time we're talking about how we try to assign dollars to creativity as a measure of success, and that doesn't always work. And so like you said, if it's a blog post and it's not – The most commented or the most engaged with like those are a form of currency in today's world and it's hard to put something out there when you aren't getting quite as much i guess return on that that chunk of creativity but like you said it's it's all important and it's all valuable regardless of you know if the conversation is about money and creativity or even about community and creativity a lot of the time we have to put something out there for ourselves to move forward And even if people didn't comment on that or engage with that, they read it and they kind of added that to their lexicon of what Amber is and helped them understand you and what you were going through and any other posts that you wrote after that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes you take something away and you don't even necessarily realize it and you sort of Like, put it in the back of your brain, and it shows up again, and you just continue to, like, chew on it, and it actually ends up being more inspirational for you than you know. You might not even be able to go back and say where it came from, Mm -hmm. but you have it, and you've sort of tucked it away and are going to, at some point, bring it back, you know, forward again. I realize that I do that, or there will be, like, a pattern, you know, again, a happy (laughs) accident this weird thing that just continues to be repeated um across several different platforms and i realize at some point like okay this is on purpose like
0: mm-hmm.
2: felt accidental felt kind of important but now i realize it's actually really important
1: yeah that could be like a main thesis of creativity i think like you look back and see the pattern <laughs> and you're like it felt accidental at the time mm-hmm. but looking back on it like no that was on purpose like that was a thing <laughs>
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say, like, oh, your burning bush moment. You finally turn around and realize, like, oh my gosh, it's right there this whole time.
1: <laughs> exactly. Absolutely, yeah. And
0: I love how, you know, blog posts can be that for us or photos can be that for us or even social media posts. I know there have been even some tweets that I've stumbled on that have just like, you know, sunk right into my gut and stuck with me for mm-hmm. weeks or months or even years. And I think it, they're all so important for helping us to create what we're going to create next.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you realize like how many things, how much you're consuming until you go to regurgitate it and you're like, wait, none of that was really like original thought.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's important to have that balance, especially because you, like us, are um, kind of a reader. You're a book person. You had the Collaborates link up on your blog. You write book reviews all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of where um, we struggle. I mean, we struggle a lot sometimes, I think, with consuming too much and not creating (laughs) enough. But um doing this little mini book club at the end of our episodes is one of our guilty pleasures as readers who probably <laughs> could step away from the books now and then to actually make more things. but we would like I am so excited to hear your picks for books you've been reading lately or books that have overall just encouraged your creativity, Amber.
2: okay, this was like the hardest part for me because I could have had like twelve books listed, <laughs> but the book that most encouraged my creativity is um, The Crossroads Between Should and Must by Ella L. Luna. Mm-hmm. Um, she, it was a, okay, the coolest thing was it was a blog post that she made, she wrote, and, like, everyone freaked out about it. So then she made it into a book. And it's, like, the most beautiful book you've ever read. It's super easy to read because it's so full of her original art. Um, and it's just gorgeous. Um, and she actually has the hundred day project that starts this month, um, where you make something for a hundred days and really? it doesn't have to be for consumption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really excited about mine. Um, and then books I'm reading lately. Well, I'm all about world war two historical fiction. So I have finally picked up all the light we cannot see finally, mm-hmm. um,
1: and i'm in love with it
2: <laughs> i'm in love with it
0: you're still ahead of ashley
1: so don't feel yeah, bad yeah i haven't gotten it yet so it's okay oh probably gosh. this summer i'll get to it i'm
2: his writing is so gorgeous like that i <laughs> ugh, ugh, in love in love with it um and then i the one thing i do really struggle with is the business side of my shop um i'm just not really good at pricing out what i'm passionate about um, so I am finally, well, I, at the recommendation of a small business group I'm in, I'm reading mm-hmm. Rework, which is by Jason Fried, or Fried and David heine um, Heinemeyers Hansen, mm-hmm. and it's about sort of resetting the foundation of business. I, I'm i not super far into it, but I think it's going to be very, like, anti-hustle and very, like, do it yourself in, as in, mm-hmm. like, do it your way, um, do it with your routine, So I'm really thrilled about that one. Um, I think I'm going to be really convicted, but I'm hoping that it will bring out a greater ability to create. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I'm inspired by and what I'm reading.
1: Oh, those sound like such good picks. Like, I know I have been number one on my library's hold list for the crossroads of should and must for, like, two weeks. And I'm like, come on, this book has to be here soon. Like, I keep checking online. I'm like, is it here yet? And they just haven't emailed me. And it's like, nope, still waiting. Like, who has this book? Like, come on, my turn. I'm going to come to your house and steal it. I know, I'm getting a little intense about it. I think that could be... I
2: can say, though, the book is so beautiful. It is worth buying. It is literally the most gorgeous. Like, it's gorgeous.
1: That is good to know because I have no no problem buying books. I I actually have not enough of a problem buying books. And so that's why I've been trying to (laughs) do the library more often is because I'm like, no, your book budget's getting a little out of control here. You need to, like, start using your library. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's a tough one. I'm moving in a couple of months, and so I have, like, a book ban, a book buying ban until we're done moving because I don't want to pack up more books than I already own. It's going to be a sad day.
1: (laughs) That is a depressing ban to have. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, (laughs) it's
0: going okay. I've not kept it 100%, but I'm not, like, just reflexively saying, like, yes, I'll buy that one and that one and that one. It's been good for me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. even though you haven't been buying anything lately, have you read anything good lately? Yes. So you will be happy to know,
0: Ashley. I finished The Paris Wife over the weekend. Oh, good. It was fabulous. Did you love it? And I sobbed, just <laughs> for all y'all, be warned.
2: I just got an email that it's at the library waiting for me. Not Yay. even kidding you. Nice.
0: <laughs> so well, I got it because of you. And you know, the ending, like, you know how it ends mm-hmm. before you ever even pick up the mm-hmm. book and you still just like want to root for these people so much.
1: Yeah. I think that book pairs very nicely with A Movable Feast yeah. by Ernest Hemingway, my his list. memoir of his time in Paris. So if you haven't read that one yet, I think they go very well together. It's sort of like, I mean, even though The Paris Wife is a fictionalized account, mm-hmm. it's still interesting to see both sides of that story
2: sometimes you need the fiction to make the real life seem like more beautiful
0: I, I agree with that 100% mm-hmm. now I know Amber you said you like World War II novels and Ashley you like books that don't end happily um, yes have either of you <laughs> or have both of you read The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak
2: oh my gosh in love with that book
1: I haven't read it yet. What? Oh, my God. If there's a book out there that the rest of the world loves, I'm like the one person who's like, I haven't read that yet because I'm secretly afraid I won't like it. And I don't want to have to admit that to people. So it's easier to just be able to say, oh, haven't read it.
2: (laughs) Well, here, I have a confession. I hate big magic. Hate it. (laughs) <laughs> everyone else loves that it that is a
1: strong confession on this podcast too because yeah. everybody comes on here and raves about it I know it. <laughs>
2: and I just everything I I love Elizabeth Gilbert I really do mm. I like wanted to just burn it it just made me so <laughs> angry so what about it we're not laughing at you I promise No, we're I can't about, believe about I feel that way thing.
0: but uh so what what made you hate it So viscerally. Um,
2: Well, I was really sad because I loved the cover. And then Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. reading it. I think the problem was the idea that your creativity could go away to someone else. Like, that it could leave. And that it is so pressing. Um, Like, I think that just the idea of, like... I just got really hung up on, like, how her story, like, left her and manifested itself in someone else. Like, maybe that, I mean, I'm sure that really happened, like, to her. But I just don't think creativity works like that. So much so that, like, I just couldn't stand anything else she had to say. (laughs) And there's Mm -hmm. quotes from the book that I adore. Like, I see them on prints and I'm like, I love it. But, like, the book just... (laughs) oh my gosh, I couldn't.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because um, the book I'm reading right now is called Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. And he is the, I forget what his exact position is, but he's like the president or the CEO or something of Pixar. Mm -hmm. And so it's this really interesting book from a business perspective. It's mostly about like how to get corporate people to still be creative and still like run a functioning business without squashing all the innovation out of them. But he said several times in this book that um, people are where ideas come from. So having good people is more important than having the next brilliant idea. Because if you've got the right people on your team, it doesn't matter how good some other company's idea is because you've got the right people to make something happen. And that struck me as as soon as I read it, I thought of that line from or that section from Big Magic where I was like, oh, that's like exactly the opposite of what Elizabeth Gilbert said, because she has this idea that creativity or ideas sort of just float around in the ether running into people until they find someone who will do something with them. And Ed Catmull's whole premise is like, no, you are a person, like ideas come from you. And then he's got this other theory that's so interesting that's like, he's like, you know, I don't think that any of us start out with a fully formed Disney Pixar movie in our heads. Like, mm-hmm. we start out with a random feeling that we want to give an audience, and then over the course of, like, five years, it turns into the movie. Like, creative projects don't just sprung spring forth fully formed. You have to work at them mm-hmm. until they show you what they want to be, and until you work out all those kinks. And I'm... Like, it's a totally different kind of book than Big Magic. Like, it's completely opposite end of the spectrum because it is a little bit more business-focused. But I'm really liking his ideas about creativity and how creativity works and how people sort of hone those creative visions and bring them to life. So if you didn't like Big Magic, you might like this one.
2: Yeah, well, see, and that's where it's funny because I don't like the idea of the hustle, but I'm very much a proponent of you put the work in the reward will reap itself. Like, so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle, but I definitely don't believe an idea is going to run into the side of my head and become.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you, Amber. I like the idea of hard work and the fact that you kind of get to determine what happens based on whether or not you keep at something long enough. But I think hustle has this really like frenetic I guess connotation mm-hmm. like it's all about like forget everything else and just do this one thing and that's not always practical I mean mm-hmm. we have spouses and maybe children and parents mm-hmm. and all of these things that still have to fit into your life and you can't just ignore them until you're done with whatever project it is that you're working on
2: or you can you're just gonna be really lonely
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Before you go, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you around on the internet?
2: Yes. So I am Mr. Thomas and like and me everywhere. Um, so Mr. Thomas and then And that's me on Twitter, on Instagram, um, on Facebook. I don't really do all the other like fancy stuff because it's too stressful. And then I am Amber Thomas makes, um, Amber Thomas And then on Etsy, you can look up Amber Thomas makes, um, and then on Instagram and Facebook, don't do that anywhere else. Cause it's again,
1: too much work. <laughs> That's okay. We fully agree with you about picking your social media battles <laughs> all about that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for talking with us tonight, Amber. This was like, this was such a good conversation. I can't even get over like some of the awesome things that you said. I feel like I need to go like write them down before I forget them, even though it's on a recording.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've been looking forward to interviewing you for months now, and that is not an exaggeration. So, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Uh, Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you leave us a review
0: on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial
1: or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If there's a guest you'd love to hear from on the podcast, or if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at ChasingCreativePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for
0: listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.